We are finishing up a series today that we have called Summer on the Mount. We've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount from Luke's perspective. And God has really just been teaching us a lot of things and challenging us on a lot of things. In fact, it's become pretty obvious to me. I don't know if you felt this way, but Jesus has been pretty confrontational in this message, hasn't he? He, he walked out. He didn't even try to make friends. He didn't tell a cute story or have a fun illustration. Instead, Jesus walked out and said, blessed are those who follow me. Woe to those who follow the ways of the world. And that was his opener. And he told us there are two paths. We can follow him and be blessed or we can walk in the ways of the world and basically be walking to our own destruction. So then he's gone on to tell us what it looks like to walk with him. And to walk with Jesus is to live a life that is ruled by love. Now, that sounds good, but this isn't just like an ethereal idea of love. This isn't just like some kind of love that makes us all feel good and gives us the warm fuzzies. But instead, this comes from the Greek word agape. And that word means an invincible goodwill towards someone. So we are called to have an invincible goodwill towards others in our lives. Where it doesn't matter what they do to us, we're going to wish the best for them and we're going to love them in that way. So we see that love is not just a passive thing that happens to us. We don't just fall into this kind of love. It's not something that uh, we just kind of naturally do. But instead, love is an active, intentional decision. And we intentionally choose to love others like we have been loved. That's a choice, isn't it? I don't know about you. I find that difficult to do, though. It's easy to say that. It's really hard to do that. And we as a church family are trying to do that. That's what this is, by the way. Did you know this is a church family? We really want it to be that. The reality is in a a church this size, sometimes it's hard to be family. But I just want to tell you here at Crossroads, we take this very seriously. We're a bigger church, but we want to be like a family. That's why we have uh, family conversations when we start our messages sometimes. Uh, that's why we don't just always try to be real slick with our presentation. That's why, you know, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but I'm just going to tell you anyways. I finished this message this morning. All right. It's been a crazy week, y'all. We've been doing mission work. People are like, how's that message coming? All week, people knew I was struggling with it. And that's always fun because people are like, you got that message done yet? Have you ever had a deadline looming and people are asking like, how's it going, man? And it just makes the pressure build up and build up and build up. Steve, yesterday, you got that message done yet? So we're talking about it. I'm like, no, but you're giving me some good sermon material. I'm working on it, right? But finally, last night I was up here working on it and got up this morning and really felt like the Lord wanted me to kind of tweak a few things. And I'm just here to tell you, we made it through one service and God is good and God's faithful because here's the thing you preach and teach the word of God. You don't have to worry about it, right? You didn't, you don't need my ideas anyways. We, we need to hear from God this morning. So that's what we're going to do. So Jesus tells us we've got to love like we have been loved. This is awkward sometimes, but we're a family and we've got to love each other well. And when love rules and reigns over every part of our life, it makes all of us more like Christ and equips us to actually reach, teach, live and love like Jesus. But then last week, Pastor Brad was here. If you don't know Pastor Brad, that's our founding pastor. We're so blessed to have him as a part of our team. He filled in last week while I was on vacation, very thankful for his willingness to step in. And he pointed to the text where Jesus says that all of this is just information unless we actually do it, right? So we can talk about love, we can talk about these things, but somewhere along the way, we actually have to do it. 
And that's what Jesus is going to expound on today with an illustration that you're probably familiar with if you have a church background. But if not, I believe God wants to speak to you today. So here's what I want us to do. Let's read this text carefully. Let's pray and ask the Lord for his help. And then we'll dive in. Luke 6, starting in verse 46. Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth you have for us. God, I pray that you would help us this morning to dig down deep. Lord, we want to build our lives, our families, this church upon the only foundation that will stand the test of time. So God, help us to do that today. Speak to us through your word. Uh, we, we don't need my word. We don't need something that makes us feel better or smarter. Lord, we need to know that we have heard from you. So God, we know reading your word is what does that. So let us study it together and reflect on your truth. Speak to us. We're listening. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we come to a very familiar passage, right? If you have a church background, you're probably familiar with this. In fact, you may have wanted to start singing a song that you learned when you were in children's church. Don't, no worries. We're not going to sing it out loud together today. That's just how, like a test to know if you grew up in church or not, right? But this is a powerful illustration from Jesus. Jesus paints a picture of two different houses. We have two homes. One was built on a solid foundation. They dug down deep and built it on the rock. And because of that, when the storm came, when the stream pressed against it, it stood firm. And the Bible said because it was well built. But then you have this other home that is built on the sand. It looked good. Everything seemed really good on it. But when the floods rose and the waters pushed against it, it said that it fell. And Jesus said, and the fall of it was great. The ruin of it was great. It doesn't take a a lot of work to try to drill down to the truth of this. Jesus didn't really leave a whole lot of work for preachers or anybody else looking for the application. He gives it to us right in this text. Verse 47, he says that those who hear his word and obey it are the ones who've built their house on the solid foundation. And he said, those who hear my word and don't obey it are the ones who have built their house on the sand. So that sounds simple enough, doesn't it? We're all like, yeah, I want to build my house on the rock. That's what this is all about. But here's what concerns me a little bit as I study this passage. You'll notice that Jesus says both of these types of people hear the word of God. Both of them hear it. The difference is how they respond to it. See, the problem isn't with hearing You can come to church, you can say that you're a Christ follower, you can claim to know God, but it's not just about hearing, it's about doing. It's not just about hearing, but rather it's about what we do. So let's back up for just a second, because I don't want to miss verse 46. Verse 46 says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? You may be familiar with Matthew's account of this. Matthew says it this way. 
It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? But then he says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and I will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Isn't that a sobering thought? Jesus says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and I will say, depart from me. I never knew you. The first thing we need to see in this text today is a very serious warning. The warning is this, not everyone who claims to be a Christ follower is truly saved. Not everyone who claims to be a Christ follower is truly saved. Church, this ought to give us pause today. Jesus is inviting us this morning to evaluate our lives because this is a scary reality. There are many people who will one day stand before the Lord and on that day they will say, Lord, it's me, I made it. And the Lord will say on that day, depart from me, I never knew you. That's why last week's message and this week's message are so important for us as we consider what it means to be Christ followers. How do we know we are saved? How do we know that our lives belong to Jesus? Well, last week Jesus said to us, look at the fruit. A good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. But here's the problem with that. In our Western culture, in our American Christianity, I think we have become experts at producing fake fruit. Does anybody have fake fruit at their house? Like my grandma had a big old basket of fake fruit on her dining room table. I'm telling you, it's a big old basket. I bet it's still there. I don't even know. I did. I should have looked when I was there. I'm telling you, it's like enough fake fruit to, you know, injure a comedian if you needed to, right? Like it's, it is serious stuff. But here's the reality. That fruit has no nutritional value. All it does is more stuff you got to dust. Am I right? You know, or if you're like me, more stuff that you should dust, but you don't dust. Okay. So it's just going to take up space and it really isn't helping anybody. In fact, I've, I've got a baby who is now starting to crawl, which is like, you know, that's borderline the worst. You want them to start walking and talking. And then when they do, you want them to sit down and shut up. But that's another story, isn't it? So he's like crawling around. And, and if Reed got to that fruit right now, let me just tell you, it would be a bad situation. He could hurt himself. So fake fruit is absolutely useless in the same way spiritual fake fruit doesn't do us any good. It's really easy for us today in our culture to kind of talk the right way, act the right way, go through the religious checks, you know, show up at church and check all the right boxes. And we feel like we're doing good, but there's no real fruit. We don't really have a real relationship with the real savior. But you need to hear me, fake fruit, fake faith is absolutely useless. It's so easy for us to become content with saying and doing the right things, trying to make sure the outside of the house looks great when there's no foundation. This is why the call of Pastor Brad's message last week wasn't, hey, you guys, fix your life. Start bearing fruit. What are you doing? No, what was the call? The call was to evaluate your heart. The call was to have an honest, hard look at yourself so that you could see where we're at. Because until you fix your heart, until we go to the foundation, we cannot fix the outside of our lives. Sure, you can slap a coat of paint on it. You can try to make it seem like it's in good shape. But it is destined to crumble when the storms come. So the call is to fix our hearts And when we fix our hearts, then we can develop the fruit that Jesus is talking about. Think about this with me. How does a tree bear fruit? 
If you were an apple tree, when it's time to produce apples, does an apple tree say, all right, it's apple time, let's do this. I'm going to really concentrate, really going to bear down on it now and produce some apples and push some apples out. No, it's an apple tree. So the natural product of being an apple tree is the natural fruit of its everyday life. Literally year round is about developing that fruit in the same way. If you're a Christ follower, the fruit of the spirit, the work that God is doing in you is not something that you should be having to work up within yourself. But when you're following Christ, the natural product of that is the fruit that Jesus is talking about. So we don't start with the outside and go to the inside. Instead, Christianity is something that transforms us from the inside out. Jesus wants to transform you from the inside out. That's weird for us because our culture is more outside in, isn't it? We're kind of the fake it till you make it culture, right? Just go through the motions, act like it long enough, and then maybe everything will happen. But the reality is Jesus says until your heart's been changed... It's not going to work. Until your heart has been changed, it's not going to work. Jesus, though, changes us from the inside out. He starts with our hearts. You may be working hard to keep up your life, trying to make sure that everything externally looks good, that everything is put together right. But Jesus wants to get to the heart of the matter today. And he's asking us, what does the foundation look like? Now listen, I know this is a confrontational message. I know last week was very similar. I'm just reading my Bible to you. I just want to say that uh, first, right? It's not like rarely, I I haven't just picked out a passage and be like, oh, I'm really going to get them today. Like that's not how it works. But Jesus is calling us today. And I want you to see that this is really a beautiful thing that's happening. Because this is God's grace giving us an opportunity to think about our lives. This isn't a call out. This isn't Jesus saying, hey, you guys, get it together. Instead, this is a grace-filled warning for us today. Why? Because the storm will come one day. The storm will come. Now, Jesus is being intentional with this language. Usually when we think of the storms of life, we immediately go to trials and tribulations. And let me just tell you, trials and tribulations certainly do count as storms in life. And I don't know about you, but when pressure happens, it tends to reveal what's really in our hearts. Pastor Brad last week had the verse that said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When things get real, what's in your heart tends to come out of your mouth, doesn't it? When you're in the middle of the struggle, when you're in the middle of the tough situation, when you're driving in traffic, I'm getting too close to some of you, aren't I? My family and I spent probably like 30 plus hours in the car in the last few weeks, and we still call each other a family and love each other. So praise God for that. But we were driving one day, and I'm listening to my five-year-old Etta talk to my wife Mallory in the back of the van. And Etta said, it's kind of like when Dad uh, talks ugly and drives the car real fast. <laughs> and I said, excuse me? You know, like when the other cars and you're mad at them and you drive fast. And I'm like, uh, so we pulled over and I had a talk with him and said, listen, you must be thinking about somebody else because that's, no, I was just like, all right, I just got to own that one, right? When we're in pressure filled situations, when things aren't going well for us, the things that are in our heart kind of end up coming out, don't they? And a lot of times they're ugly. A lot of times it's not pretty and it's a struggle for us. Listen, the reality is trials and tribulations cause us to see what really is at the heart of our lives. 
But I believe Jesus isn't directly speaking about that in this passage. I think that's a good application. But Jesus is referring to what the Old Testament prophets talk about when they talk about the storm and the floods and the streams. When the Old Testament prophets use this language, they were usually talking about the righteous judgment of God that will come one day. So Jesus is saying in a very real way, and this is a hard truth, but this is what he is saying. He's saying that there is a day coming when only what has been built on the rock will stand. Everything else, all other foundations, anybody who has built their lives on any other foundation will be destroyed on that day. That's why this warning is so needed for us. Because many on that day, the Bible tells us, will say, Lord, didn't you see my house? Didn't you see all those things I did? Didn't you see all my good works? Didn't you see how much I came to church? Didn't you see my giving statements? Didn't you see all of this? And Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. This is really the point of Jesus' illustration. You can almost imagine two houses side by side. They look the exact same to the human eye. We would look at them and we would say, those are two mighty nice houses there. Those are so nice. I'd move into either one of them. They're so nice. They look great. But then the storm comes and one stands and the other falls. And when that happens, we realize that one didn't have a foundation. Friends, listen to me. You might can fake it on this earth. You will not be able to fake it when we stand before the throne of Almighty God. Now listen, I know we say this a lot. But in a message like this, I know that some of you are like me and you're kind of like, Yeah, get them, preacher. It's about time we called out all those fake Christians. Right? Yeah, man, I really wish so-and-so was here. I knew they'd be on vacation on the worst week. Please do not go home and send this podcast link to somebody, all right? This message is for us. Do you remember who Jesus is preaching to? We've said this three or four times throughout this series. Jesus isn't talking to those outsiders. He's not talking about the few people who aren't as committed as you would think they should be. He's talking to his disciples, He's talking to those who had left everything to follow him. Those we would say are the super Christians. And Jesus is saying, hey, be careful that you're building your life on me instead of some other foundation. Friends, this is a call for us to evaluate our lives. I know that I have what what I would call foundational drift issues in my life. I start off on the rock, but before I know it, the spiritual house of my life has shifted to other things. Maybe it's family, maybe it's money, maybe it's success, maybe it's work. I don't know what that would be, but before long, I'm building my spiritual house on a foundation that isn't Jesus. And here's the scary part about that, friends. I don't know your heart today. Only God knows your heart. So I'm not calling anybody out because I don't know your heart. And here's why I know this is scary. Because for me, nobody knows when I have had foundational drift issues. My closest friends, even my wife, even my uh, best friends, my spiritual running partners, my intentional discipleship group, I can fake it really well. I know how to make it look like everything on the outside of my house is good. I keep the grass trimmed. I keep everything. Well, don't drive by my house because I don't always do that. But I keep everything in my spiritual house looking good. 
Because I want everyone to see me and I want everybody to know that, hey, I'm a pastor and I don't ever mess up because all pastors are perfect, right? I got a couple amens. That's weird. Uh, We need to talk theology, right? No, we all struggle, but the reality is in our culture, it's way easier to pretend like we're okay instead of dealing with the stuff in our lives. But when we do that, when we do that and let our spiritual house drift onto another foundation and pretend to be okay, the reality is, is we are not living for Jesus. And we are losing our chance to have impact on a world that desperately needs Him. So the call today is to remember that we should build our lives on Christ. This is an opportunity for us today to be reminded of the promise. This warning is serious. Some of you are probably ready for this slide to change, aren't you? Because it's confrontational and it makes us think. But here's the promise. Jesus is a firm foundation. Jesus is a firm foundation. The storms of life will come. Trials and tribulations, like we talked about, they will come. But when Jesus is your foundation, you're secure. You can lose your money. You can lose things. You can be like Job. I pray that it doesn't happen to you. I pray it doesn't happen to me. But what did Job say? He lost everything. (coughs) He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Because Jesus is a sure foundation. But even what Jesus is alluding to here. When we stand before an almighty God on judgment day, we can stand secure. Why? Not because we're trying to make it on our own record, but because Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. And we can stand before the righteous judge because Jesus took the righteous judgment of God so that we could receive and experience the righteous love of God. It's a beautiful truth. But all of this starts with building our lives on the foundation of Christ. So what does that mean today? That sounds good, doesn't it? Like we could land the plane there. Some of you wish I would because you're hungry at this point, right? Like, hey, amen, I'm going to build my life on the foundation of Jesus. But what does that actually look like for us today? Well, Jesus answers that question for us in very plain, simple, but meaningful terms in verse 47. Look at it there in your Bible. He says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them. And he goes on to say, that's the guy who built his house on the rock. So how are we to build our lives on Jesus, the firm foundation of our lives? I want us just to real simply look at what it says here. The first step to building your life on Christ is to come to Jesus. It's to come to Jesus. Without being saved, without being a Christ follower, listen, you can't bear fruit. You can't build your spiritual house on the rock if you don't know the rock. But the good news is Jesus knew you would be here on this day. Listen, I I don't care how long you've come to church. I don't care how much you know about God. I don't care uh, how, how much you give. I don't care how good you think you are as a person. The reality is if you don't have a real relationship with a real living God, then today the call for you is to come to Jesus. If you don't have a real relationship with Jesus, then you are not saved. You're just pretending. Concerns me, friends, because I think we live in a culture, again, where it's easy to have fake fruit. It's easy to pretend that we've got everything together. It's easy to act like a Christian, but not really have Jesus. 
So here's the call for us, not just to be good people, but to be God's people. Not just to try to be religious. We can do without that. We need Jesus. And when we have Jesus, guess what? He's going to produce good works in us. Do you have a real relationship with Jesus today? Is Jesus real to you today? If you don't know Jesus, I'm praying that today would be the day of salvation for you. If you know that you need to give your life to to Jesus, it starts with recognizing what Jesus did on the cross. The Bible tells us that Jesus died on the cross, and when he hung on that cross, that the punishment for all the sin of the world, past, present, and future, was poured out upon Jesus, and he took that punishment for us. And he died, but he didn't stay dead. The Bible says three days later he rose again, victorious over sin and death. And when we call upon him and we ask him to be our Savior and our Lord, at that very moment, he saves us. There's no magic words. You don't have to say the exact right things. You just have a heart that's calling to Jesus and saying, Jesus, be my Savior. And in that moment, he meets you there and he becomes your Savior and Lord. If you need to talk to somebody about that, we don't want you to leave today without doing that. After our service, we'll have pastors and deacons here who are ready to pray with you and talk to you about what that means. We've got to come to Jesus if we're going to build our lives upon the rock. The second thing Jesus says here is that we must hear his words. I think this is certainly meant to be taken literally, talking about the words that he has just preached, that love should rule and reign over everything in our lives. But I also believe that Jesus knew that we hear from him through the entire Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, Jesus speaks to us and he leads, guides, and directs us through his word. We need to hear his words through Scripture. To listen to the word of God. I just need to tell you, church family, you can't say that you're building your life on the foundation of Christ if your life isn't being built on the foundation of God's word. This is how we know who Jesus is. This is how Jesus speaks to us. This is how he leads God's and directs us. We need to be people of the word. Can I just tell you that's all we've got? If you come to our church, all we've got is the Word of God, but that's enough. It's enough. Uh, we're not here to just, I'm not just preaching my ideas. I'm not just here trying to have a cute sermon. I've tried that before. It doesn't work. I ain't good at it. I said ain't. I don't, you know, I'm sorry. I've been to Texas. Y'all just got to forgive me. The reality is God speaks to us through His Word. So if you want to be led by Jesus, you need to be a person of the Word. Are you reading the Word of God on a regular basis? Are you spending time in the Word? This is how we see Jesus calling us. Again, from Genesis to Revelation, He is calling us into a deep and abiding relationship with Him. And as our heart becomes His heart, we're transformed. That leads us to our last thing here. We come to Jesus, we listen to Jesus. Finally, verse 47 says that we obey Jesus. We obey Jesus. I think it's safe to say that today in our culture, we we might be as biblically illiterate as we've been in several generations. What's sad about that is that the Bible is probably as available as it's ever been at any point in human history. Yet, we don't really know the Word of God that well because I think we've kind of become verse-a-day Christians. Hey, not hating on your your Bible app or verse-a-day calendar. A verse-a-day is great, but if that's all the Bible you're getting on a daily basis, I just want to tell you, we need more if Jesus is really going to be leading, guiding, and directing us in our lives. 
But on the other side of the spectrum, let me just tell you, I know that in our church there are a lot of people who know the Bible really well, who know a lot of theology, who have a lot of truth. Here's how I know that. I'm very thankful that there are times when I preach something and someone comes to me and says, hey, you referenced this verse, but it's not really that verse, it's this verse. And I'm like, oh, you're right. And then sometimes people come and say, hey, you said this, but doesn't the Bible say this? Can I just tell you something? I welcome that. Because listen, if I'm preaching something that isn't in here, brothers and sisters, do your job and come talk to me. All right? You're not just supposed to accept everything I say because it's not about me. It's about the Word of God. But here's what I think happens when we know the Word of God extremely well, when we know a lot of things about Jesus, when we know a lot about God, sometimes it's easy to know a lot about God but not really know God personally. Do you hear what I'm saying, friends? If you know a lot about the Word of God, one of the things that I think the enemy will do to us is get us so consumed with knowledge about God that we don't really know God anymore. Somewhere along the way, all of our information about God has to become things that transform us and that lead us into being who He wants us to be. For sure, know God's Word. Dive deep into the Word of God. Study theology. Yes and amen, but don't stop there. If our knowing and listening doesn't lead to doing, then we're just like the fool that builds his house on the sand. But the wise person comes to Jesus. The wise person reads his word. The wise person lets the word change them from the inside out. And (coughs) as we read the word, all of a sudden we see that we're changing. When I read the word of God, I, I see him changing me to love my family in a different way. When I read the Word of God, it changes the way I go to work. When I spend time with God, He changes the way I think about the world around me. And do you see what happens? He begins to transform every single part of our life. And our life begins to be built on the foundation of Him. Church, I need to ask you a question today. Is Jesus the foundation of your life? Or is He just a part of your life? Is Jesus the foundation of your life or is he just a part of your life? I need you to hear me when I say this today. Jesus doesn't want to just be a part of your life. He wants to be your everything. The call is to surrender all that we are to him. The call of Christ is to give all of our lives to him, every single part of it. To let him live in and through us. The good news is that today... He's giving us an opportunity to surrender again. Romans 12.1 is one of my favorite scripture passages. Are you familiar with it? It's probably my favorite, but I say that about a lot of verses. Do you ever do that? Oh, that's my favorite verse. It's like my kids with songs. Oh, that's my favorite song. Like you just heard it right now. One of the songs Pastor Lathaniel sang today, I just promise it's their new favorite song. That's just how they roll. I'm like that with the Bible, but I guess that's all right. Romans 12, 1, though, says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. In response to what Christ has done for you, give your life as a living sacrifice. But it's been said, the problem, this isn't scripture, this is some uh, theologians who've said this way. The problem with the living sacrifice is that we keep crawling off the altar. Have you ever found yourself in that position? This is the foundational drift that I was talking about earlier. It's so easy for us to find ourselves drifting away from the rock, but Jesus is calling us to come back today, to 
to remember that everything in our life is about Him. To let Him be the foundation of everything we do as individuals, as families, as a church, that everything will be built upon this rock. Because here's the reality. Anything we build on any other foundation will pass away and doesn't matter in the big scheme of eternity. It may look good today. It may stand strong today and it may seem like it's awesome, but it will not change eternity. It'll pass away. But that that is built upon the rock will stand. You familiar with the old hymn? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. You hear me? The Word of God is our foundation. Jesus is our foundation and He is the solid rock. Everything else is going to go away. What's your life about today? Build your life on the rock so that we can have an impact on eternity, so that we can reach, teach, live, and love like Jesus. Will you bow your heads, close your eyes? Jesus, thank you for being the solid rock. Thank you for loving us enough to tell us the truth. Lord, messages like this can be hard for us because they do kind of almost spiritually punch us in the face a little bit. But Lord, we need to be reminded today that anything that is done for any other kingdom on any other foundation is foolish. Lord, may we be found individually as families, as a church, building everything on the rock. Lord, I pray that you would expose the foolish things we're building in our lives so that we could forsake those to pursue your kingdom. Lord, as we come to you, as we read your word, would you transform us from the inside out? Let us bear fruit. Let us build a spiritual house. Let us become, as you tell us in First Peter, let us become living stones stacked up into a spiritual house that can be a city on a hill in Wichita. That people can see our light shining because of the transformation you have done in us. But that starts here. That starts with us building our lives on you. So I pray, God, that today would be the beginning of something special in our lives and in this church.